And now it is time for News of My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the line with us playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? Well, I got a lot on my mind because I just finished the book Blinded by the Right by David Brock, who was, which is, was written and published 18 years ago, and actually the stuff in it ended 20 years ago. And in it you find the names Bill Barr and Laura Ingraham and Conway and and Kavanaugh. And it's just as if it's just as if it had been written now for describing the awful the awful what can really legitimately be called a conspiracy of those folks on the right. And so that's that's very much on my mind. The tracking, you know, nobody nobody has really played the same game that, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The guy used to have the Fox News show that now does The Blaze. Why am I forgetting that guy? He was on the cover of magazine sticking his tongue out. Oh, come on, I'll remember his name. But anyway, he used to do these, uh, he used to do this mapping of the progressive funding landscape. And there's nobody really has played that game uh, in uh, sort of among pro-democracy forces. But once you start following, once you start tracking where the where the funding has come from, where the uh, the youth training facilities have been, where the uh, where the networks are, it's a relatively understandable universe. And yeah, if somebody pops up as a uh, as a leader in the uh, in the right wing movement, they didn't usually just appear, you know, yesterday or the day before. They've probably been kicking around in those networks for a while. Uh, Dad, this is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff when it's unimportant. We try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have two shout-outs. Go ahead. First, I want a shout-out for LeBron James, who put out on social media, juxtaposed next to each other, a picture of George Floyd being murdered by a cop whose knee is on Floyd's neck. And Colin Kaepernick kneeling in recognition of the mistreatment of African Americans. And LeBron said, now you know what we're talking about. Which I just think is so right on. It's amazing. And then the other one is for the local, that is Portland, Abundant Life Church, which has a membership of something like 2,000 people which instead of bitching and complaining and suing the governor for saying don't meet, instead said, folks, we're not going to meet. What we're going to do is we're going to call old people to just check in with them, and we're going to deliver food and to them. And that's what they've been doing, and they've done just a remarkable job and demonstrating what Christianity can be at its best. So I'm shouting out for them this morning. Well, Dad, this relates to something you already said. George Floyd's death is stoking calls for Minneapolis officers to be charged. On Wednesday, the Minneapolis mayor, Jacob Fry, might be Frey, I'm going to say Fry, who, I don't know, reminded me, doesn't look that much, you know, reminded me a little bit of the Prime Minister of Canada, good-looking young guy, publicly called for charges to be filed against the officers seen kneeling on the neck of George Fry, excuse me, George Floyd. As you look at uh, the recent history, more than recent history, uh, many of these abominable kinds of actions. Very often, a mayor responsibly, well, everybody, don't jump to conclusions. We've got to look at the facts. We will follow the law. We will follow the policy. But the Minneapolis mayor just came out and said, no, we got to file charges. Uh, and he tweeted that all four officers involved had been uh, terminated. He told reporters on Wednesday, more than anything else, over the last 36 hours, one fundamental question, why is the man who killed George Floyd not in jail? If you had done it, if I had done it, we would be behind bars right now. I cannot come up with a good answer to that question. Uh, Fry called on the Hennepin County attorney, Mike Freeman, to act on the evidence before him and press charges on the arresting officer. Dad, any rationale other than just the blue line about why these officers have not been charged? Nope. No good rationale. Oh, well, I can say... It could be bad rationale. Yeah, the, the, bad, the bad rationale is because of the, the inevitably 
close relationship between the police force and the prosecutorial force. Uh, really the, the most important constituency that a district attorney has are the cops. That's the per, Those are the ones that he or she is dealing with every single day and whose assistance is critical to the success of their job. Uh, so so it's tough, but uh, but I would expect that I would expect that there will be a grand jury, and I'll be surprised if the grand jury does not indict at least the at least the cop with the the, the knee down, and I, I would think all of them for for sitting there and doing nothing. Well, Dad, there was not a space launch yesterday. It is nonetheless somewhat historic that there was going to be, and there is planned the first privatized space launch, the first time private company is going to be launching an astronaut into space, but weather kept it from happening yesterday. And the, the fact that they 20, 20 minutes before launch time said we're not going to go is in contrast to the one years ago when they had weather risk and launched and lost because of frozen O-rings. There was no They did not allow the political pressure the fact that the president and the vice president flew down to watch. And by the way, when I think how much the right screamed whenever Obama went anywhere, why, why is there such silence about the president and the vice president spending hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars to go down and watch a lunch? And something I didn't catch, did they go on the same plane or did they go in two different planes? I don't know, Pop. I'm not clear on whether or not the, the Secret Service allows both the president and the vice president to be on the same plane. I think, what did I see? I, I'd rather, uh, according to Forbes, the uh, according to Forbes, Donald Trump, I, I think that he spent more than $100 million going on. Uh, yeah, here's, here's from Huffington Post. Uh, as of oh no, it's a, it might be two hundred million dollars now. As of November, it was one hundred and fifteen million dollars. Forbes estimated it get up to be uh, three hundred and forty million dollars. Normally, these stories about wow, look at that, and it costs a lot. I think are kind of stupid stories because any amount of money for almost anything. I mean, you know, they're, they're, each time some libertarian think tank or somebody comes out with oh look at how much money was spent on I don't know prisoners drinking soda. And it's like, wow, they spent $22,000 on prisoners drinking soda. That's your tax dollars. Like, no, normally I kind of annoyed by that story because, you know, there's a lot of prisoners and maybe they shouldn't be drinking soda, but that's not my biggest concern. But I have to say, when it gets up into a couple hundreds of millions of dollars and when it is, in fact, for president's golf trips that include uh, golf trips to his own golf facilities where he's pocketing some of the money and when it includes a president who spent years attacking the former president for conduct that was less egregious than this, it does. It is. I have to say, hard for me to hard for me to jibe with any sense of justice. Yep. Before we dive into the news, I want to acknowledge we the passing of Larry Kramer. <clears throat> and, uh, he was born the same year I was, and he was he was the the voice that that really attacked the lack of the lack of action for HIV and AIDS. He was a great leader, and he he passed away of, at age 84 yesterday, day before yesterday. Well, Dad, on vote by mail, Trump sent out an email, and here's what he said. He said, I don't even want to repeat it. I'm going to have to repeat it. It's just crazy stuff. We need to make one thing clear. This is from the President of the United States to his campaign account. There is no way universal mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed. Ballots will be illegally printed out and forged. The election will be rigged. To be clear, every major journalistic operation who has looked into this has made it made clear there is n- there is no wide-scale, uh, no large-scale fraud when it comes to the casting of mailed-in or other ballots. And there's no there's no large-scale fraud at all. What is it? This, the, something with the billions of ba- votes that have been cast in the last several years they found something like 35 35 fraudulent votes 
Come on. But remember the thing that you remember the lesson that you learned as a small as a small child, the one who smelt it, dealt it. We learned this in 2016 or should have when he was saying the election was rigged. and That made everybody who was not a Donald Trump fan. So, no, no, the election's fine. The election's not rigged. The election's not rigged. And then not looking at significant irregularities in the 2016 election. So where there is no real evidence and would be actually as you, one thinks about it really hard to go around and do large scale uh, changing of mailed in ballots you have to steal a bunch of mail and you'd get caught and you'd go to prison it's not that's not uh, but the thing that there is risk of is actually fraudulent counting of ballots if you can do it centralized it only takes a couple few people to enact the to enact a fraud that's a problem there are election riggings we should care about it's just this isn't the election rigging we should care about Yep. So give 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 the give the control to a company like Diebold, and and we could have we could have the Soviet Union. Trump has threatened action against social media platforms. He has threatened to shut down or regulate those platforms due to what he says is an anti-conservative bias. What apparently he meant was that twi- Twitter used a fact check against the president's claims on his platforms. Trump had tweeted this. Republicans feel that social media platforms totally... Si- oh, I wanted to look at the other tweet. Uh, the I wanted to look at the tweet that actually got fact-checked. I think this was... I think it was actually a vote-by-mail uh, tweet. Yeah, it was. It was a vote-by-mail, and all they did... All they did was give a reference to a couple of in-depth ar- articles that had studied the question and had come to the conclusion that it was not true. Yeah, what else you got? Well, I, I, we, I think we have to acknowledge that passing... Of a hundred, it's now a hundred and one thousand deaths from the virus. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about George Floyd. Uh, something I've I've just been thinking. The there there were really I think legitimately the protests in Minneapolis turned into riots. And and I find an analogous an analogy between that and the support for DDT. Why do I say that? Because those folks who are rioting, I know, have been dealing with a deep-seated resentment towards feeling feeling that they were mistreated. And it was finally triggered where they go out and, and protest, and some of them then start breaking, breaking windows and throwing rocks and so on because of that deep-seated feeling. And DDT supporters... Are, are folks who have felt that they were being mistreated and dissed, and finally somebody came along and tapped into that anger, and they, they said yes, and they became his myrmidons. And, and the analogy is that those riots are so counterproductive. And the support that DDT is getting from folks who, who feel that the elites have, have looked down upon them so counterproductive to what is really good for them, it's kind of discouraging. But what I really like, we have been neglecting state and local news, and I'd like to start this morning with state and local stuff because I've collected so much, if that would be okay. We started a while ago. Thursday. We started a while ago, but I do want to say this, and then we can move to exactly what you want, Pop, and it's a good, it's a good decision. The uh, that as of an hour ago, well, it was actually broken last night by the, that I saw it in the New York Times. But this is from CNN an hour ago. Uh, Donald Trump is set to announce an executive order against social media companies today. Uh, the draft executive order being prepared by the Trump administration tests the boundaries of the White House authority. It says here, in a long shot legal bid, it seeks to limit, seeks to curtail the power of large social media platforms by reinterpreting a 1996 law that shields them from lawsuits. So again, this doesn't have anything to do with the tweet except for he's ticked off about it. And remember the Trump strategy. And it is what game theoretic, uh, what game theoretic analysts have figured out is a really effective strategy when it comes to prisoner's dilemma, which is a tit-for-tat strategy. You do something to me, and I'm going to do something mean back to you. Donald Trump practices it to a fault, to a deeply immoral fault. So it's not that this is going to do something about misinformation. What it will do is allow him to hit back at social media companies he's mad at and continue to send signals that if you try to do anything to him, he's going to do something harder back. And by the way, if somebody is 
too far engaged in a tit-for-tat strategy, the only legitimate thing you can do is keep that kind of person for having, from having power. Dad, let's go ahead and do state and local. Your turn. Well, let's start by saying that Multnomah County, for those who don't live around here or who might be in Tallahassee or Timbuktu, listening online at, at xray.fm, Multnomah County surrounds Portland, Oregon, and the the hope to submit a plan to the governor a week from tomorrow to reopen the county, because uh, three counties have not opened, and we have not yet, our county has not yet applied to open, so that's something that we should recognize, and, and hopefully will happen, but something that's a little scary, that's the, the very same day that that was announced it was announced that there has been a serious outbreak in some business in the metro area the name of which they are not willing to release but there's been a mystery outbreak of covid yeah let's pause there we had a couple doctors and i should have asked them about it that's sort of, sort of weird right they came out yeah. and the health department came out and sort of said hey there's some some chain of businesses where there's an outbreak we're not going to tell you where so what are we supposed to do it's just it's really kind of crazy, kind of crazy. And the the uh, oh unemployment debacle. We have a debacle apparently going on in Oregon with the the relevant department just unable to deal appropriately with all of the applications for. You're having a tough time at the unemployment department, Pop. This is we we have had when we've reported on the local each you know, each time we've done it. Each time, it's the appointment department saying, yeah, we're going to do much better now. We're going to be not do much better this time. But they're dealing with an unprecedented situation, right? There's never been this many claims, and there was never sort of a contingency for this many claims coming in this brief period of time. Let's hope that we learn from it. Uh, election, the primary election, is now a week past. And uh, the Fagan has... Margin. What was the final margin? When I last looked at it, I, I, I was out down the, down at our beach place for the last three days. When I left, I think the margin was just a couple of hundred votes. But did it wind up something like three thousand? That was the last time I checked. I can check the most recent right now. And interestingly, Joanne Hart, Hardesty has come out and endorsed not Loretta Smith, but Mr. Ryan for the for the city council race there. That will be interesting if Loretta Smith wins. The uh, bad blood between them that goes back to when they were were running against each other uh, it will be something to watch. I'm surprised you. I'm surprised she didn't stay out of that one. The, yeah, whatever. I am too. The, and that's why it does. And, you know, maybe we'll have a chance to have her on the air and ask her about it. But I was actually just talking to some folks in the community who didn't bring this up, uh, but who had some who, who were offering some concerns uh, about uh, about Commissioner Hardesty. Uh, and uh, th that made this seem not that surprising. Uh, but anyway, that's a little vague. But if, if I'm going to say more, I better do it when I'm asking her questions. There's some, in some interesting things in relation to the election to law enforcement. First, the election of Mike Schmidt over Mr. Knight for district attorney in Multnomah County, where Schmidt was clearly somebody who was wanting to change the way law enforcement works. And, and uh, the, the progressive, and he, he won a big margin, the... Jackson County turned down a proposal to enlarge their jail. Uh, I don't know if that was just because they didn't want to spend for the jail or, or if they're recognizing that putting people in jail is not the only answer. And in Wasco County, the DA, who, Mr. Nisley, who was... Some problems got beat fairly handily by Ellis, and he essentially said that's all because of money that came out of Portland, which is, of course, not true, but I thought that was interesting. The Portland Public Schools that were thinking of putting out a $1.4 bond measure, 
Now it looks like maybe they'll put out for one for 600,000. And other election news in Oregon, Joe Ray Perkins, I think we've, have we asked Joe Ray Perkins to be on the show? And if not, we've got to do it because I want to really find out from her, directly from her, exactly where does she stand on QAnon? She, we know where she stands. She stands that she finds it. A, she finds it a useful source of information. <laughs> but her, her campaign put out a statement that. Yeah, and then she came back and re- and said she regretted it. She said she was sad, made her cry that they took down her post, took down her election night video where she uh, where she trumpeted Q. I, I I'm down to talk to her. I have some mixed feelings uh, about about promulgating. Uh, com- promulgating baseless, false, and harmful conspiracy theories. Uh, Dad, to answer your question previously, it uh, sh- looks like Shamia won by 3,660, 3,660 votes. Well, that's, that's, a, that's not a large but fairly comfortable margin. Yeah, a little, less, a little more than half a percent, about 0.6%. Right. Judge Matthew Shirtcliffe, the Baker judge, who said that Governor Kate Brown's rule to stay home that went beyond 28 days was unconstitutional, was told by the Supreme Court to justify that, and he sticking to his guns. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the Supreme Court does with that, because they have taken it. Uh, there, there's some things this morning that, I, that, that are, have happened that I would like to know more about, and I'm hoping that we might have listeners who could tell us. And the first is the 99... Highway 99 drive-in movie theater opened over the weekend. And I'd like to know, did anybody go? And if they did, how was it? I really would just like to hear from somebody. How did that go? And another thing I wonder if anybody knows about, on the 14th of this month, there was supposed to be, and probably was, a, a hearing, I think done by Zoom or something comparable, on the Oregon State University application for a wave permit, a permit to put a wave generating plant a couple miles off the coast and and running then, of course, wires under the water to bring it in. And there were some environmental groups that were opposed to it. And if anybody knows how that went and if anything has happened, please text us in and remind everybody what the text line is right now because I forgot that. 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. And shout out to Aileen who did text in Glenn Beck. That's exactly what I was thinking about. You know, Glenn Beck used to get to go to his chalkboard and draw a line between, I don't know, George Soros and any number of things uh, and, and try to map out his understanding of the way the power map worked in, uh, to try to elect, uh, to elect uh, Democratic candidates and build, uh, and build uh, progressive infrastructure. Uh, Julia, uh, you might t- go ahead and tell this story real quick. The uh, Julia has. Oh no, I, I can I can go ahead and do it on the uh, unemployment insurance subject. Apparently, several of Julia's friends had tracked down direct phone numbers of uh, workers in the unemployment department and got their money in accounts hours after speaking to a human being. So, so much of that is actually just some of those things. It sounds like don't take that long. I have a friend who actually went down to Salem stood in front of the employment office knocking on the windows because they weren't answering they weren't answering the door and waited for someone to come out taking a smoke break and she said hey i'm owed nine thousand dollars can you help me and he said yeah i can here's my phone number call my line (laughs) and within a day she had nine thousand dollars in her bank account does she want to share the phone number (laughs) i do have the guy's phone number i don't know how i feel about I mean, I don't, I don't know about it. what do we feel about overwhelming his his personal <laughs> work if, line. I, I will say this: if you have a real unemployment insurance problem, if you have, if you've been, if if you have a significant tale of woe where you've been hours and hours waiting and you need a human being to help, we might be able to get a human being to help. But that we don't, we, we don't want to, we don't want to flood this. And the text line here is nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. We don't need to flood this guy's. Uh, flood this guy's voicemail with uh, yeah, he's doing uh, with good, personal he's lines. He's doing good things for us. We appreciate him. And uh, if you're having a real issue, give us a text, and we'll try to try to send you some phone numbers that might be able to help. We got. We, we'll get a phone number. Maybe fall off a truck. 
We can help you. We got a guy. We got a guy. All right, Pop. What else you got? Now, another thing that I would wonder if one of our listeners might have some information about is what is happening with the Bull Run filtration plant. You know, there was news that maybe maybe there's not going to be one. I, I just would like to know some some new, some news that I've just been saving that I that I want to talk about. Uh, Governor Brown has told bureaus you need to cut cut 17 percent out of your budget. And 17 percent—that's just a whole whole bunch of money. One example: this is not this is not state government, but Portland Public Schools uh, needs to cut 100. What is it? 120 million dollars. And uh, and that, or no, it's twelve million dollars, one hundred and twenty. That's with the same as as one hundred and twenty teachers. Yeah. And what does that do to, to do to class size? The uh, after after we go through the news, I I like to pontificate a little bit about what the world is going to look like the next several years because of the virus. But anyway, how you feeling this morning, Pop? What? How you feeling this morning? I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling very thoughtful. Yeah. Hell, I'm, I'm my health is good. I uh, looked up I looked up the Bull Run watershed by the way the the Bull Run uh, water filtration project rather uh, and at this point council members hard this is April 2020 so recently uh, council members Hardesty and Udaley oppose and Wheeler and Fritz favorite. And I'm really glad you brought that up, Dad, because that means we have got to ask the candidates for city council where they stand on this. What, just so people can do the math, we got five city councilors, and right now it's block. Now it's tied two to two, two to two. And so right now, if things stand exactly as they do, which they won't, because we will have five. Right now, we only have four because Nick Fish, rest in peace, passed away. Uh, the fate of the Portland water filtration plant is going to be determined by the next election. Yep. So there you go. Yep. That's eight. That's eight hundred twenty million dollars. Elections matter. Dekine, Dekine, the uh, company in Hood River that named itself after pigeoning, a pigeon English expression that I learned when I grew up in Hawaii, is moving to Southern Cal. And the Grant murals, the Grant High School murals, they've been on my mind for weeks. Yeah, we haven't talked about the murals for a while. Yeah, let's talk about the murals. Why don't you tell people, because you went to Grant, and I suppose you have some memory about it. Tell us about the murals, and then they're they're debating about what to do with them, and what do you think ought to be done with them? So Grant, like a bunch of other stuff, was built during the WPA period, and the theater uh, the uh, at Grant High School included uh, some historic murals. And those historic murals included some images. And those images, it's sort of, Two, I call them two sets of images. One set of images is uh, is people of unclear origin walking up as if to heaven up a ramp, and then uh, under them, and it's again imagine on the proscenium, imagine on the the front of this uh, theater, right on either side of the stage. One on the I forget it's which was the left side and which is the right side, but on one side. It is a set of Native Americans, sort of stylized Native Americans, who are holding up their hands as if to God and walking towards the stage. And on the other side is a set of, uh, I'll call them pioneers, uh, white Anglo uh, people with gu- with rifles, shotguns, who are holding their hands up as if to God and walking towards the uh, walking towards the Native Americans. Now, it is it. it for defenders of it, it is a symbol of peace and reconciliation. It is a sign. There's no Christian cross on it. It's not a religious symbol. Uh, and there was a campaign to, as part of the, uh, as part of the restoration, as part of the rehabilitation and remodeling of Grant High School, big project, huge shout out to everybody who worked on it, the as well as all the other high schools. They uh, raised private money to refurbish these murals. And I'll acknowledge, I think I was one of them. I at least talked to the people who were doing it. I said, oh, hey, thanks for doing that. They've been kind of getting run down. And they didn't spend public money to do it, but they did get the approval to raise private money. And then a couple of students formed the uh, Native American Association at Grant and said, hey, this is a this is a racist image. This does not depict, uh, this, was, this depicts indigenous people in a 
in, in a not truthful light, uh, suggests there was some sort of peace in a time that what was actually happening was uh, misogyny and the stealing of or, or uh, um, the stealing of land and uh, and and near genocide and genocide and what those those settlers those pioneers likely likely had virus on their hands which of course uh, was the thing that killed the native americans the most and so the question is but they and they got the they got the refurbishment done and it it raises a question that's come up before it's related i mean it's not entirely unrelated to the question of the uh, confederate statues in the uh Confederate statues in the South. Uh, I think there's obviously some differences there, uh, but the question is what to do with these murals. Do you cover them up? Uh, do you let them stand? Do you wait for these couple kids to graduate? Uh, do you? Uh, and the most recent proposal that I saw was uh, basically don't cover the entire mural, just essentially paint over the uh, the parts with the uh, settlers and the Native Americans. Uh, and that's what I know about that. What are your thoughts, Pop? It is a thorn, it is a thorny thing. Because the, the significance of that mural, of course, is that it represents well, really was a lie, but something that we wanted to believe that in the 30s we wanted to believe that uh, it was all sweetness and light, but it was neither of both. And if you that's the historical significance. And if you think of the story of humanity as us trying to be a little bit less of jackholes, if you try to think of the story of the United States as trying to inch away from or inch towards the elimination of the reduction of oppression and just meanness, and if you, or if you think in terms of the arc of the moral universe and it bending towards justice... Then understand in 1930, this would be offensive. That in 1930, so like, oh well, maybe this is a maybe this is a message of reconciliation. This is how we want to think. And and I will say, when I, as a white kid, when I was looking at it, I thought, okay, I guess this this is telling us that we should have more togetherness in our communities, right? And but I don't I don't speak from the lived experience of somebody who's uh, who's had to. Uh, who, who's been subject to the kind of oppression that Native Americans have been subject to. So it is tricky. And, and at least, I mean, my take is that in each of these cases, we got to do something. we got to do something that, to uh, demonstrate compassion, demonstrate honesty. And, and then the choices of whether to tear something down, paint over it, or to put a sign to put sort of a competing image to say, yeah, this is a piece of history, uh, and, here's the, and, and here are also some additional realities. You know, I think those end up being uh, battled out in the individual cases, and I'm just I observe I participate mostly as observer. Of, le- of less significance, some news: Bird and Lime are putting some scooters back into Portland. Perhaps not a lot of them, but we'll see. Not state, but local. The Washington Ecology Department has is telling the the dams that operate in Washington, that they've got to cool it. They've got to do something to keep the water cooler because if they don't, they're going to lose the fish. And the federal government has told Washington that it cannot stop oil trains, that the the Constitution gives the federal government the right to decide that they can't stop oil trains from coming. So that's something that We'll probably wind up going to the Supreme Court sooner or later. Got Mayor Wheeler's budget will balance if the unions will agree, and that will be interesting. When when was the last time you had somebody from the from the when was the last Easy time you words. had Joe on to talk about that? Whether or not they will agree to the Wheeler budget. Some good news. The Patricia, there's a proposal for what is to be called the Patricia Reeser, or Reeser, I think it's Reeser, Center for the Arts in Beaverton. Oh, it's Reeser, Dad. This, that's the, uh, you know what, what money that is. That's, yeah. the, that's the hot sauce money. Right. And for a 550-seat theater with art galleries, with workshops, with meeting space to go in at the round in Beaverton, and it looks like they just about have, have have completed raising the money for it, so that it is really going to happen, which is 
I think, quite wonderful. And then that should be a, a real enhancement for the folks in Beaverton. Here is a text in. I think it's one of the most important texts we've ever received, uh, or at least touches on a topic that defines our age and even how some of us have tried to spend our lives. Uh, here's the text. These last few years prove to me the arc of the universe does not lean toward justice. Uh, that text is apparently from Joe Pesci. And first of all, I don't, it, I wrestle with it. It goes back to a debate I had with erstwhile X-rayite and still, uh, still chief European correspondent Tim Marcroft. And this was in the 2016 election. Holy mackerel, that was a while now, a while ago now, where Tim said, and this is early on, this is well before Donald Trump was the nominee. And he said, what this is going to do is this is going to give social permission for a bunch of people to be uh, even more overtly racist, more overtly misogynist, more overtly ethnocentric, and more overtly classist. And my response was, I think, I, I, I don't dispute that we will see people, some people be emboldened, but I think what will happen is that people of goodwill, people of compassion, people who believe in democracy, who believe that we're stronger together than we are apart, will be reminded that we cannot rest on, upon our laurels, that we cannot think that the folks who led the Civil Rights Movement or the folks who led the New Deal, that all of history is over and all we have to do is shop at Ikea and celebrate that all of the great challenges of history have been resolved. We will, in fact, come together and defeat this poisonous ideology. We will make the world better and, in fact, there will be not only a silver lining, this dark cloud will eventually be covered in silver. And I don't mean the money, I just mean in optimism. And I and we had that debate going back and forth. Don, I didn't think Donald Trump was going to be elected president. So Tim Markcroft won the debate, except I still am not prepared to concede. My feeling still is that we have got to continue to work, that it's not going to happen naturally, but that each of us are, you know, just imagine yourself on a, on a little arc of history, just a little tiny person up there, jumping up and down, jumping up and down on it, tugging it, making some scaffolding, trying to pull it, trying to push it towards justice. It ain't going to happen by itself, but I don't think that the gig is up. I still think we've got work to do, and we, it all is not lost. Dad, you got a thought? There is lots of work to do. I, I force myself to spend a little bit of time on Fox television, Fox, quote, news, closed quote, which is not news, which is lies, and lies and lies. And it is absolutely astonishing, astonishing to watch their willingness to focus on things that encourage hate, to focus on things that encourage division, and to put spin on things so that the president is always right. And, it, and knowing that 30% of the electorate gets all of their news from them and when they're driving from people like Rush Limbaugh, there's a lot of work to be done. Other, other local news, Bad Oregon hate crimes in 2019 increased over the previous year by 360%, 3.6 times. Good news, the Pickles. The Pickles have said they're going to live stream. They're going to play from the 2nd, that's a baseball team, folks, from the 2nd of July to the 9th of August. And so we'll be, you, you'll be able to go to your computer and watch the game even though you may not be able to go to the stands and watch the game there was a pundit who suggested that Kate Brown might be in line for the Secretary of the Interior since she's termed out can't run again for governor I suspect that it's more likely that the governor of Mexico would be picked for that job but we'll see Mount Hood trails are opening St. Helens trails are opening and by the way, St. Helens has a problem. They have a problem. They, they built a tunnel after the eruption 20 years, 40 years ago and to 
let the water out because the water level is so much higher. And the tunnel is in bad shape, and there's fear that the lake might break out once again and send water hurtling down as it did 40 years ago. And if it did, it's going to drown a lot of people. So that's something to keep our eye upon. That's that's the state and local stuff I have. If you have more, well, I got a question. Go go for it. The uh, there is now a tug between the city council and the county, and of course, when there's a tug between the city council and the county, it either has to do with jurisdictional power, or even maybe more often, it has to do with money. And here, the circumstance is, as I think I'm getting this correct, the city got a bunch more federal stimulus money than the county did and the county has got some bills they got to pay and for the county to open up they need 40 million dollars or so 45 million dollars i think uh the um yeah and the reason for that is that reason for that under under the bill a county that had a city in it that was some percentage some arbitrary percentage of the county the county didn't get anything and and i think there was something like 20 20 some county city pairs in america that fit that and we're one of them so i think part of what's been going on and we probably should invite uh, chair kofori on the air to, and ask her about it but when uh, i think what's, what's been going on certainly in the not very sub subtext has been hey yeah we'll open up the county but we need to have some money for contact tracing hey city help kick in to pay some of this but now the now there's another little disagreement the county had a plan. Mark Jolin, who runs the uh, joint office, so it's county and city, uh, joint office for homeless services, he had a plan to spend $40 million a year to rent about 500, 495 motel rooms, hotel and motel rooms, to fight the spread of COVID-19. Uh, the advantage is those things are already geared up. They already are staffed. Uh, their water is turned on. You could just put them on in there. It would also help those hotels and motels uh, because you know they're not having as much people as many people staying there, so it'd have a couple benefits. But Chloe U. Daly, Mayor Hardesty, excuse me, uh, Joanne Hardesty and Mayor Wheeler, uh, all were concerned that that cost was too high. It comes out to six thousand six hundred and fifty dollars per room per month as a as a cost, which is you know which is a lot. That's uh, a lot. And the mayor was saying, well, couldn't we just put them up at uh, at Concordia, Dad, it probably is without you looking at the documents. It might not be very even useful for you to weigh in. But I, I say that as I ask you to weigh in. What do you think? You think w- we should do the hotel thing, or you know, do you see some benefit of helping out the hotels as well as using that ready-made housing facility? Well, I think we should start out by negotiating a, a lower price. Might be able to. That's a good question. It, I mean, that comes out to about. Well, I, I guess six thousand six six hundred dollars per room. I could divide that by thirty. That's thirty two. That's a little over two hundred dollars a night. And obviously, these places aren't all Which don't, is ridiculous. Well, when when they're getting nothing, I would think, I would think if they just if they just got enough to be able to retain their workforce, they'd be ahead. Well, what I'm saying the reason the reason I want to be careful about jumping conclusions is that there'd have to be a lot more cleaning. I mean, you don't. I don't. You don't just set up a COVID nineteen facility at a at a motel and have standard operating, right? There have to be some different provision for food and other stuff. There have to be some different provision for cleaning of rooms. It it would be a different thing. I don't know if it ought to be two hundred bucks a night, but uh, and and obviously some of this is overhead, etc. So uh, so anyway, good question. If somebody would ask me what I thought it would be, I would have actually thought the cost would be half that. I would have guessed probably about a hundred dollars a night. They do it eighty dollars a night, then plus there'd be some extra, some extra. But who, what do I know? Uh, the uh, Kickstand Comedy we mentioned this on the local. Uh, they are starting to put out some podcasts, etc. They got a bunch of money. They got a hundred fifty thousand dollars community livability grant from Prosper Portland. It was supposed to be improving the facility they're going to be hosting some things at the facility we should check in with kickstand comedy it's been too long you know obviously they've been a friend and a and a presenter here on extra they've done fridays for a long time uh, off and on uh the what else did i want to ask you about oh dad yeah mingus maps and the portland police union got uh, got a big check from got a fifteen thousand dollar donation from the portland police union pack uh, really? Yeah, it, it happened at the very end. It happened May 11th, so it was too late to get any scrutiny. Had that come out, 
uh, in time for Sam Adams to respond to it. Uh, I actually think, I mean, there, it was such a close election. I think it could have been enough to uh, to oh, help yeah. to, for, to tilt the difference. So that's one issue. Particularly in the light of what happened with the DA's race. Uh, exactly. I think if they had said, oh, uh, so, uh, on the other hand, what Mingus Map says is, oh, no, I think maybe if I'm inside the tent, you know, if I... If, if we work with the public safety community, we have a chance to uh, make it better. You know, it's a it's a classic it's a classic argument, an argument I've made myself. Uh, that and, and I, I don't think it's merely an argument. I think there is some validity to it. But you have a take on Mingus on Mingus and the Portland Police Union? Well, I, I wonder. I would like to have been a mouse in the corner or a fly on the wall when he was interviewed. That's the key thing, right? And we will do we we will do we will do follow up interviews with the candidates for city council, certainly with Mingus Maps, uh, and it's and it's a question, right? You, in these primaries, if you get that last minute money, and Sam Adams got last minute money from SEIU Independent Expenditure Campaign. I think it was what uh, Sam works for Portland or something like that, uh, and they spent some like ninety grand, and that. That strategy can work, right? You put a bunch of money in very late. Eileen Franklin, that was her name, right? Who was the uh, the spouse and partner and political consultant, uh, spouse of Bob Packwood. That her her old strategy was hit low and hit late. That's how you win won elections. Is you waited till towards the end, and then you used your best hit at your opponent, and you did it at such a time that they had a they would have a hard time responding to. It wouldn't have enough time to really get a good get a good response. And similarly, if you're going to get some money that some people that might raise some eyebrows, like let's say it's you know independent expenditure money, or let's say it's Portland Police Union money, and it happens at the very very end, well, you get the benefit of the money, you get the benefit of the tax without the. the I'm not saying these are a tax. I'm just equating those, relating those two things, without the risk as much of a pushback of a backlash there is though the risk of a backlash after the primary because this was not in the general election so this is now going to be a topic that mingus has to talk about you know between now and november presumably and i suspect he will be asked and asked and asked well dad the uh, uh, odot has presented more details on i5 and the o and the i205 tolling projects Looks like they want to uh, implement tolling on I-5 from south, uh, southwest Multnomah Boulevard to north going in Alberta and on I-205 near the Abernathy Bridge. Any thoughts? <laughs> Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Well, here's the thing. If they could do, if they could do congestion pricing, right? If you could do, I, I think that what we've seen is right now the throughput on I-5 they're, they're moving more cars there through per hour, which seems surprising. Like, more cars are moving through, even, even though there are less cars on the road. How does that work? Well, that's what happens with bottlenecks, right? The, the cellular structure gets, gets, uh, uh, gets clogged, and so it's hard for anything to move through. But, it, but congestion pricing could show that if they did the congestion pricing without committing to put that money into highway widening, that you might find out that you don't need the highway widening you don't need to to increase to spend a whole bunch of money so that people drive cars a bunch more and if they combined with congestion pricing tolls based on time of day and tolls based on automobile occupancy i think they could discover that in six months in six months of doing that along with providing a really good online system for people to find co-passengers to, to, to carpool in six months they could reduce the traffic sufficiently that it would be clear we did not need to do that. And you will, I suspect, bring up that idea with every candidate we interview and I'm down with it. I will. Well, if we've covered local, I've got international, national. Well, we got. Let's do a couple of headlines, and we got to wrap in about a minute and a half, two minutes. So why don't you do your well, most we, important uh, headlines? Go ahead, Dad. With internet, give your well, the, the most important just, headlines I think, you I think got. We, we need to mention what's happening with, with China and Hong Kong. China, the China legislature put their rubber stamp upon what President Xi wanted to make it clear that Hong Kong is really not going to be the autonomous unit that it was. 
And why is that significant? Well, because there is a, a law that, that Congress passed that for us to, to, to deal with Hong Kong as we do and treat it as autonomously, that has to really be. To give you an idea, there's over 1,300 American businesses located in Hong Kong and over 85,000 Americans living in Hong Kong and that is of really some significance. The World Bank is going to give $500 million to Kenya, Uganda, Somalia, and Yemen to address the threat of another huge locust attack in June. The trial of Netanyahu began yesterday, and they say it'll take about a year, and there may not be any witnesses for months. We ought to get... Maybe Tim Margroff, when he's next on, see if he knows something about the Israeli justice system that has that. And then last one in Rio last year, that's Rio de Janeiro last year, there were 1,814 people killed by police officers. Well, we, Bob, we I, have it bad here. Whoa. Well, Bob, I, I do want one thing. I didn't correct you before, but uh, Xi Jinping, it's, if you just say Xi, you're pretty darn close. Okay, Xi. Yeah, it's, that's pretty darn close. I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I don't speak Chinese, but that's... Okay. I, I looked at emmasang.com, you know, Xi Jinping. Any last thing, Bob? I think it's time for a straw in the wind. And I have two straws in the wind. Of course you do. First, DDT said don't trust Sessions. And Sessions, of course, is his former attorney general who's running for the Senate. And the straw in the wind, Sessions snapped back, said something back at him. Wow. And then the other straw in the wind, General Electric is going out of the light bulb business. GE, which was formed to sell light bulbs, has sold its light bulb business so it won't be doing that anymore. Well, Pop, we did it one more time. We did it again, and we'll be back on Monday. Love you. Love you, Pop.